plan doing it. That's a lovely plan doing it, good. Um, last week I mentioned just in passing about uh, core beliefs and, and I saw the puzzled look on some faces. So I thought I'd, this morning I'd just clear up what I meant by that. Um, because without realising it, we actually have core values or core beliefs and it's perfectly possible to have a Christian mind and a Babylonian heart. So we, our core beliefs are right in the centre of that rather off-centre circle up there and they're our core values. Our beliefs are what we have in our mind, our mindsets, but our actions come out of our core beliefs. I should have drawn that line right into the middle there because those actions, the outworking of it, comes from what we really, really believe. So I might be able to say, Lordis, I believe that I'm the beloved of God, um, but I walk around like I'm a worm because that's my core belief. I can say on the one level, I believe it, Lord, you've said it, I believe it, that's fine. And you'll hear people saying it, they say the words, they, but they don't walk the talk. They talk it, but they don't walk it. And so that's where you see that what I could call a dichotomy in Christians is they'll tell you they believe all sorts of things, but their actions belie what they're speaking. And that is because they're, they're moving out of their head belief about themselves or the situation or whatever. So I just wanted to clear that up. Um, it's not a very good... Uh, no, I couldn't see. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, I just, just did it very quickly. Yeah. I'm sitting far back as well. So m many of us have actually been baptised into the core values of society and you would, we would have what I would call a no-values conversion. I was very blessed when I became a Christian. It was so radical that my values, my boss said to me, trouble is with you, all your values have changed. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. I did not realise uh, what he meant. So the Western view and the values that we actually live with without us realising, which will be our core beliefs, are privacy, material success, and convenience and comfort and without realizing those are our core beliefs so we will do anything actually to avoid it's a pain avoidance we will do anything to avoid pain we, we believe lies we take refuge in lies it's a temporary comfort and and they're lies that we believed at a very deep level about ourselves or situations whatever we can overuse our strengths, like if we're intelligent, we can use those natural strengths rather than moving in the spirit. And we make inner vows, as we've discovered before, when pain comes, I'll never let that happen again. And so we've vowed ourselves into a place where we've, we've got ourselves locked into behaviours that we can't get out of. A good prayer is, Father, show me how I've protected myself from pain. What lies have I believed and what strengths have I used? I know in my own self when I go into the flesh because as a natural person I have a powerful personality and um, it was used to the full when I was at work and the first thing that I asked the Lord to do was to change it 
because it was scary. Uh, and so what he's done now, he's turned it round and he shows me I know when I'm going into the flesh and I won't, I won't allow myself to do it. Feel something rising up and I think, no you don't. Uh, but he has also given me authority. One of the things on one of Graham's most recent tapes or CDs is about the path that God lays out for us to walk. Uh, and when we come to the place where there is a lack, there is always provision. But along with that, interestingly, I heard, there is authority. And I thought, now there's interesting, because what actually happens is that if we're in a place where we're hard up against it, we're in a growth place. We either go through or we stay there and we go round and round and round it a bit more. So the authority comes as you go through that in the way that you should, with the responses that you should. And therefore, you come into a, another level of authority, both in the spiritual realm and in whatever calling God has for you. Is it a wasp? We won't have that. Where's he gone? Oh, well, I'll just polish him off. Just. <laughs> you polish him off, please. Oh, wait a minute, somebody else is there first. Thank you. I think he's gone because I took my day go with him because he'll be still jabbing his sting. That's all right. Leave him there to rot. <laughs> one to rot and one to. One for, thank you very much. <laughs> the guts are rolling down the window. That's what I like to see. Save me cleaning Heads and legs and heads and legs. Yes, and squash legs. That's it. I like to see that. Heads and legs. <laughs> that big year old mate coming parts. out there. Now it's a bit of my about the enemy coming <laughs> out there. So, core beliefs. There we have them. So you can catch yourself when you're moving out your core beliefs. You can think, oh no, a minute, wait a moment, wait a moment. For some reason or other, I just want to say just a couple of things because this might, it's not about the fruit of the Spirit at the moment, but this might cause some of you to desire something. When I heard about this, I thought, I want that. John the Baptist had a forerunner spirit. He went before preparing the way of the Lord. He's out in the wilderness, not a soul listening to him. He's out there with all, every grain of sand preaching, prepare ye the way of the Lord. A forerunner uh, is, is in the forefront of what God is doing. So therefore, you will often find yourself, as Graham would say, like a giant king salmon going upstream when everybody else is going the other way. Because you're actually swimming against what the majority of the people in the church will be saying. Because you have got your eyes on something and you're going up up to the source to find out. When I went to uh, Carity Wood, uh, not this time, the one time before that, I spoke on the forerunner spirit. And pretty well every kid wanted it. And there was this little black guy came and sat next to me, got his hood up. Little, little tiny little boy was, I want that thing you were talking about. I said, haven't you been prayed for, dear? Yes, I have. I want you to do it. 
I've put my dab on him there and I prayed for him for this forerunner spirit. Now, he wanted it. Whether he realised what it was he was asking for or not, I don't know. Um, but he wanted this thing and it was just so lovely. And essentially, a forerunner will be a prophetic person. That will be it. And prophetic people have to be weaned from people. They have to be weaned from their addiction to people and connect at a deep level with God. Because while we are dependent on anyone other than Him in any circumstance, we're going to listen for what they're saying and not for what He's saying. So if you desire to be a forerunner, you just listen to the things that you'll bump up against. For some reason or other, this is a message for today. So they lose their idolatry, if you like, of things social. And they get alone with God. You won't find them out there partying. You won't find them out there doing what the world is doing. Because they are single-minded. They want to be in the forefront of what God is saying. And then they get drawn into the wilderness. That separation to God. That is where you get your bearings for your mission and your message. And you actually become the message that you preach. Because that's the way God does it. You live it. So you get three things. You get drawn into the wilderness, just him and you. You get your message, whatever that is. And you get a divinely designed stigma. People will not like you, generally. You will be rejected. You will not be understood and you won't be able to explain yourself because God will zip your mouth up. And so you go around <laughs> a bit like, who is it I was reading? This must be Isaiah. And for the next three years, you'll take your sackcloth off and you'll walk, I'm thinking, he's walking around with no clothes on for three years. <laughs> I think, Thank you, Lord, we're not Old Testament prophets. <laughs> I just got to that bit and stopped. Up <coughs> so he ruins our sinful life. We're loved by some, we're hated by others. We will not be allowed pats on the back like other people are allowed. We cannot have it. You can't indulge your flesh at any level because the Holy Spirit is there to bring something forth in you and that is the message that God wants to speak to his people. It's a highly privileged position, I think, to be in to be actually a forerunner. I prayed for a long time about being a forerunner. <laughs> and suddenly it's almost like God said, this is that, when I'm right hard up against it, you know. This is, aha, that makes sense. Because you've got to have a goal about something in your Christian life. You've got to decide you want to get somewhere. Not just con constantly going round and round. You, you, you've got your prophetic words there like a pole in the ocean you've got your rope tied to your middle and you're pulling yourself towards that pole fulfilling what God has spoken over your life I'm sure there are many of you that actually got prophetic words spoken over your life and God is saying okay we're going to start training we're going to bring those things to pass the things that have been spoken over you are going to come to pass there's one caveat, as your husband would say, so 
you've got to make the right choices because if you see it like a river and with a, um, a what do you call it a side water backwater, backwater. Yeah. Wrong choices will take you off into that backwater and going round and round and round in murky, muddy water. And your choices will be constant and they won't be obvious. They'll be ordinary, everyday things about how you choose to respond, to react, to do certain things. All the while God is measuring you against your prophetic word. And guess what? if you haven't actually come up with the right reaction you'll find yourself going around the same situation again maybe blaming the same people again because you're not realizing that this is for you it isn't actually for them God is saying can we go around this just once more and can I have the right response please <laughs> can I have the right response from you as you go around this yet again because he will take it again and again and again and again and again. Forerunners speak comfort to the heart of God's people, Isaiah 40. But they also speak right to the heart of matters. They've got nothing to do with things superficial. And they speak to the heart of God's people. And they see the heart of God's people. And they're captured with urgency. Those of you who know me, is it, life is urgent as far as I'm concerned. I can't help it. It's in there. There is an urgency in me. And they come in the time before a visitation of God. In the wilderness they meet God. In the desert they make a way. There's a preparation going on. The stage must be set. So it behoves us to listen to what the prophetic voice is saying right now. And to say, Father, I think I need to listen to this. So they're making a way in a desert. And they're going to be the people who know the seasons, the signs and the times before the rapture of the church. They're going to be pointing to things that other people can't see and almost saying to them, see it. It's like being on the wall and they can see the cloud of dust in the, and they're calling back to that there's something coming because they can see the cloud of dust. They're like watchmen on the walls. And they will call for repentance, which is a change of mind. They'll call for that because that is the way they are built. They want to see fruit coming forth from God's people so they'll be constantly calling for changing, changing, changing till people get bored with them what they're saying and the, as I said the forerunner speaks to the heart the big news is here Jesus is Lord there's a strong call out in my heart right now to the Lordship of Jesus Christ for us to recognise whose we are It'll probably come out at the weekend, I don't know. What I've got in my mind right now, and I'll probably share it with you because a lot of you won't be here on, at the weekend. A long time ago, God showed me a mountain. I mean, it was just the archetypal built like that, you know, up and down. And round this mountain was a path going round and round and round and round, right to the top. At various stages on this, there were um, decking 
there. And on that decking were umbrellas and tables and people drinking tea and coffee and, you know, they were having a rest on the journey. I had got to one particular place on this journey with someone else and them sat down, feet up, supping a drink, supping a coffee, whatever, and totally engrossed in conversation and I'm thinking, I need to be going. But it's not coming, it's, it's going to stay. So off I went, off up the mountain on my own. And one of the things you will find that is as you go up, if you make that choice, you will find fewer and fewer and fewer people with you. Because the way gets narrow, uh, the air gets rarer, it's puff, you puff. What you meet in terms of the demonic will be bigger. Uh, it is really true that on every level you will meet a bigger devil and you have got to beat the devil on the level that you're on or you'll stay there. And I'm not talking about the flesh there, I'm talking about the real warfare situation. For those of you that are married, warfare is loving your husband or loving your wife if you're a fella. That is warfare. We've got such a silly idea of what warfare is. Spiritual warfare is being loving to people, not moving out of your flesh. Responding in the opposite spirit. When we respond out of our old nature, we are giving place to the enemy. That's what we're doing, because we're out of the old Adam, we're not actually responding out of the fruit of the Spirit, which we've been looking at, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. It takes time to grow those fruit. God's agricultural. I don't want my fruit to be all dried up like prunes hanging there, you know. Nobody's going to want to come and pick that. But I do have my moments. I had a, the most horrendous day yesterday. I don't remember when I've had such a bad day. And, and we had a, a, an informal trustees meeting last night and I had to say to Robin, because I was a bit sharp about something, and I said, love, I'm ever so sorry, but I'm in pain. And, and it's, because I'm in pain, it's coming out like this. Uh, the long and the short of it w was that um, I better met a bigger devil on the level that I was on. And... Um, I say this to glory to God. I think if I had an hour's sleep last night, it's amazing. I first of all thought, I must have gallstones. Then I thought, no, I think it's my kidneys. Because I was in such pain. Then it was in my tummy here. It started off in the middle of my back yesterday, like someone just searing heat right in the middle of my back. And it just spread through the day until by the time Robin came, there was a knife going down here, a knife's going in my back, and I'm thinking, I can't get a coherent word out here, um, because I was just in pain. When I went to bed, the guys prayed for me, Joyce and June, this is where with the clincher came, they laid their hands on me, I could have screamed, it got worse. It was at that point that I knew that it was demonic. Um, and so, went to bed, didn't know where to put myself. Handful of Rennies, <laughs> gotta take something, haven't you? I thought it must be indigestion. Indigestion, my eye. So, about five o'clock, I'm laying there this morning with now I've got it in my tummy, you know, griping pain in my tummy, in round my. Oh, well, you know, as I say, I said to the Lord, Where's your kidneys? <laughs> I said, I think I've got a kidney infection. 
and I'm thinking oh, I don't want to go to the doctors but if this gets any worse I'm going to have to go somewhere and I'm thinking those girls are coming tomorrow Lord and I'm not going to be in any fit state this is five o'clock this morning to be able to give them anything because I'm absolutely done in got to tell you one time yesterday afternoon didn't I I went upstairs to do something I looked in the mirror and my nose was white it was pinched the rest of my face was its normal colour but this little beak here was white I looked at it I said to the Lord enemies got hold of something on me my mum used to say oh you know all white and spiteful all pinched looking and I thought that's weird but it was like God was showing me something Anyway, five o'clock this morning, I'm saying to myself, or saying to the Lord, because the odd thing was, all night long, I've been singing Ruth Purcell songs, one after the other, just laying there with this going on. So at one level, I was perfectly peaceful, but the other level, my body's going, <laughs> and um, I thought, I'm thinking to myself, well, that's it then. I thought you said you'd given me ten years. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, you've given me ten years. This is not. This is not this is not the ticket here this thing so I'm laying there this morning thinking that I would probably got a kidney infection or something like that and the Lord said very quietly you're not sick I thought oh that's good so I laid there a little bit longer and then he said it isn't medical oh good I'll go sleep then <laughs> So somewhere after about six, a quarter past, I dropped off for an hour because he just said all I needed to hear. I thought, if that's all it is, then forget it. I came down this morning and Joyce had got a word from the Lord, uh, which I really wanted to, 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 to give me again because she prays for me every morning. And it said you've broken through to another level. So... You see, what I'd said the other day with this, I knew I was up against something bigger. And that the idea of it is with God that when you meet something bigger on that next level, he makes you as big as that which is coming against you. But you think to yourself, how's that going to happen? Well, I had this picture, I'm sure I said it last week, going up this little stepladder, eyeballing this thing, chopping its head off and shoving the sword down its throat where did it go for me straight down there it felt like a, a blade that size going down I thought nice one but nevertheless you, you're not aware of having broken through um, but if God says you have then praise the Lord it was just a question of sticking it out really so if you're thinking about becoming a forerunner that's the sort of warfare you'll start to enter into. What we actually experience, most of us, is just life. It's not warfare. Um, but you hear, uh, so often I hear Christians saying, oh yes, I've been under attack, and oh, I've been under, and I'm thinking, no, you're not, they're sowing and reaping, darling. <laughs> you know, you, as I'm always saying, you've got to find out who's doing what to whom. Thank you. So, before you make a decision, you won't need to come and tell me about it. If you're making a decision before the Lord in your heart right now, I want that. Be aware. The training is rigorous. But the retirement benefits are out of this world. You become so that 
one with God is a majority and he is your all sufficiency that is what a forerunner is about John the Baptist leaned on no one it was him and God and that's all there was to it so you get to make your decision we're in times now where I think if we, if we want something in God we've got to say to him I want this you know whatever it is for you I want this this is not talking about material possessions this is talking about a position in the spirit there are not many warriors one warrior for a county lots of soldiers but one warrior for a county because being a warrior is something totally different to being a foot soldier like being a field marshal is totally different to being your actual standard soldier with his rifle we need the standard soldiers with their rifles but at the moment I don't think the body of Christ is trained at all to point the rifle in the right direction or to fire in the right direction mostly firing at each other I mean that is the truth of it and the enemy doesn't need to go anywhere he can just leave us to shoot each other really girlie came here years and years ago and she'd got a, a tune and a, she never did bring it for me but it was called don't let another wounded soldier die and the soldiers have been wounded by their own it happens in battle by accident but this is often quite deliberate we, we, we go for each other's throats and the fact is we're not living in the spirit we're living in the flesh so we get to choose we can get receive nothing unless it's given to us because Jesus said apart from me you can't do anything of the kingdom I and mean, we talked about this a lot and the kingdom can be given but it can also be taken away as I've said before you can't lose your salvation but you can lose your kingdom inheritance it can be given and it can be taken away God is not going to trust you with his precious children if you've not passed your tests you prove out in the day in day out that's why I was butting with um, Felicia the other one's called Felice isn't she the little one is Felice oh, she? yes she's called Felice isn't she her name is Felice that one over there the little one that Gina bought us before I think her name is Felice mm. That's Felicia, though. But they butt. She butt one another. But, but, but. So you you can lose. You see your inheritance. I've gone on about this. I know. Um, you won't lose your salvation, but you can lose that ruling and reigning bit in this life we are intended to reign and rule now over our circumstances over our own spirit over our own flesh we're intended to be in a place where we're bringing forth fruit luscious fruit that other people can pick fragrant fruit so forerunner has a secret life in God and we're like the best man to the bride really and we don't possess the bride um, we hide in plain sight that's what best men do they're there 
to, to supply everything on the day of the wedding, you know, they're there and looking after it, but they hide in plain sight. So you develop the ability to hide yourself so that he may be seen. I heard it said, I'm not quite sure if I'll quote this quite right, um, one of the things that Mike Pilavachi spoke about at New Wine um, was not promoting self. He, he had to speak on the fact of the prom how the Christian world is no different from the world out there. You've only got to look at the, the covers of musical things, like, you know, all these macho stances, the girls all with their hair all floating. It's, you might as well be looking at something. Who are they promoting? Mm. And he said, uh, there were so many egos jockeying for position. I think that was Paul said that, didn't he? Vying for position. So many egos vying for position. I felt it. In the camp, you could feel two things there. One was each noisy band was trying to outdo the other one by the level of the row that they were making. And the other one was the spirit of compromise over the place. And lovingly, God is coming to deal with compromise. So that's where the forerunner comes in, because he speaks to the heart. Don't mince with the issues, lovingly. The mission is to turn hearts, change minds, and reform behaviour, because that's the way it goes. So he turns the heart of the people that is listening, which changes their minds and reforms their behaviour. You can't just... Behaviour reformation won't work. It's got to be from the heart. You speak to the heart. Obedience is from the heart. He's not after external conformity. That's why we looked at that. You see, we... We act from our core beliefs, our heart beliefs, and not from what we believe in our head. Mm. So you'll find people saying, I just get a gut feeling, go with it. I said to a young Christian recently, I said, I've got this feeling. I said, that recalls a gut feeling, go with your gut feeling. How often have you met people and you get a gut reaction to something not being quite right? You're getting everything fine and dandy on the outside, you're getting all the words coming out and you're thinking, something's going on here. I'm hearing one thing but I'm sensing another. And for me that is one of the most difficult things. I'll sense something, people are giving me the old two and eight there about where they are in God, what they do, and oh I'm doing this and I do that and and I'm thinking something in here is saying that's not the case. It's not very comfortable. Being a forerunner is not a very comfortable life to live. Because you can't explain yourself because God won't let you. You're not allowed that little enjoyment, another avenue of pleasure closed off. So you cannot justify what you do. You have to. Do, God will set you up. He put you in situations where you get the blame and you've got to keep quiet. How do you like that one? When you're actually only doing what you were told to do. And you almost find yourself saying, you set me up for that one. Yeah, good, wouldn't it? I'm sure it's done a deep inner work. Yes, it has. 
So many of us have got a hidden agenda running in our core being and it's inherited by the flesh. And as I said before, the value is pain avoidance. Our experience has been rejection and injustice and we react out of that which is our old nature. God wants to change us from reactors to responders. It's a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermostat keeps the temperature even. A thermometer goes down, up, down, up, down. And I'll just say to you, what are you today? Are you a reactor or a responder? What do we do, as I said before, to protect ourselves? Okay. So, question again. If you want to be a forerunner, you tell him, I like the sound of this, I'm up for this, I'm going to make my life count, Father. I don't want to be just one of the mill. I want to, I want to know on that day that there is something of kingdom about the life that I lived. Mm-hmm. Notice I don't say church, I say kingdom. Church is beautiful, she's the bride, but it's the kingdom that is being built in our lives. So it starts very personally. Show me how I've protected myself from pain and what lies have I believed and what strengths have I used because it's ever so easy to use our own fleshly strengths in anything. I'm sure I've given you these before, but I think there's about ten characteristics of the flesh, something like that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You can't teach on the fruit of the Spirit without seeing the opposite thing, can you? You see, you need to see it so as you can tell what the difference is, if you see what I mean. So, we can't depend on ourselves or others because we will be disappointed. People will disappoint us. How often have you thought to yourself, well, I didn't think you were going to do that? That is disappointment with the person because you'd had an idea that they would do something that they didn't do and you have turned out to be disappointed. Who's the one that's got the wrong expectation? So you have to look. These are minute things that you wouldn't normally look at to examine. A false expectations are killers. You know, I thought better of you than that. I didn't think you'd do that. And don't excuse the flesh. You know, have you ever heard someone say, oh, well, I expect it was because they were this and that and the other, you know, and let them off the hook, let them off the hook. I, I think I've told you the story of how I did that with David, our pastor, when we were working at Bexley, and he always did give me an earful one afternoon, and I was really wounded. So I said to the Lord, oh, I expect he'd had a bad day and he had a headache, and, you know, I was excusing him. When I was having the bath the next morning, some things you just don't forget. The Lord said to me, by the way, you were excusing him, not forgiving him. <coughs> I was rationalising what he did to make the offence less for me so that I could think, poor old David, had a bad day, I'll forgive him. He said, you just forgive him. <laughs> Never mind about why he did it. 
subtle you see it's so subtle it's called self-deceit really that's how we deceive ourselves really it's so easy so the flesh is weak we've got to, we've got to settle it with ourselves that uh, we're gonna get hurt and offended when people don't meet our needs and if we don't understand that it's the weakness of the flesh we're going to go around always upset because people are just going to and God will guess what he will make sure they upset you about the same thing again and, and you think that's the fifth time this week they have done that I'm speaking to myself I'm getting a revelation here and you suddenly realise it's not them he's dealing with but you I mean, some women think that uh, their husbands are mind readers and they should know what they're thinking. And the characteristics of that are jealousy, anger and offence. The flesh, the old fallen nature is weak, but the spirit in us is willing. So we get to choose. Don't be ashamed of your weaknesses because God will help you. If you choose to lean on him, it's this choice business again. Perhaps you will, perhaps you won't. You cannot, this is why I want to start with the Holy Spirit on Friday. Because unless you know him as a person, you won't actually know to lean on him. At the beginning of the year, the Lord said to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, I said, what are you going to be to me this year? And he said, I'm going to be your comfort. Oh, because I asked for that a few years ago. And he said, no, you're not ready for it yet in my time. I'm going to be something else to you. But this year, going to be your comfort. So what was he to me in the night? Comfort. As, as Graham would say, it's worth having a day of trouble to know the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Because he is what his name says he is. Paraclete, the one that comes alongside. He is Jesus. Jesus said, it's expedient for you if I go away. Because I shall send the Holy Spirit and he is just like me. So he's not an it. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's in you. So 24-7, you've actually got all the wisdom of God to turn to. You don't have to rely on your own wisdom ever. Turn to him and say, what do I do here? What do you, what's your opinion here, Lord? I'll tell you, it won't be what yours is. When he says... When you say, how do you, how do you see this? And he shows you, you think, well, flipping heck. I didn't see it like that, because mine will always be not rough, not nice. That's the carnal nature. So the flesh craves attention. It loves credit. Likes to be patted and fussed. Likes to be comfortable. Doesn't like it too cold. Doesn't like it too hot. I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I want. Ah. Uh, Credit and what you do with it, God watches, there's another subtle one. Uh, when you're given credit for anything, God watches your reaction. You did a great job there, thank you. Are you preening or are you giving him the glory inside? I remember hearing uh, Joyce Meyer saying how she had such difficulty with this and I identify that. People <coughs> come up and they say, they praise you for what you've done or whatever sometimes and um, you're thinking well praise God bless God you know don't want to take the glory and uh, she said so you end up bless God don't want to take the glory 
Uh, and the Lord said to her, you know, look, Joyce, just take it. Say thank you, but give it to me inside. So ever since then, it's much easier. Thank you very much. We know who did it, Lord, and it wasn't me. Because people want to thank you. And you get wrong-footed by, or I did, by trying to make sure that you weren't a glory stealer. Ever so easy to be a glory stealer. And uh, the Lord says that his glory he will not share with another. Ask him uh, what it means to glory, glory steal. Any time you're taking credit for something, you're on the verge of stealing the glory. And the flesh can't be anointed. It has to die. Prayer doesn't have to be long or fancy. If the anointing is there and God is in it, it'll happen. If he isn't, it ain't going to work. So we find out what he wants to do. And sometimes he will say, what do you want? But you have to ask him the question first. So that he gives you permission to ask for what you see as the best trick question really because we think so small he always thinks so big so there's going to be an, something awful lot bigger that he's going to want us to ask for than we can conceive so you come to him and you say how, how do I pray in this all the time all the time what do you want I mean last night when I'm sort of asking the Lord, what's going I said, what's going on? It was when I asked him what's going on and I started talking to him about my gallstones and my kidney problems. <laughs> he just said, ah, nothing wrong with you. <laughs> well, that's a relief then. I'll go to sleep. I thought, I'm falling, falling apart here. Now, the flesh only brings destruction. We've talked about it before. The flesh drains you and the spirit fills and energizes you. If you're talking to someone and your stomach's being drawn out through a straw, you know you're talking to someone who's in the flesh. And it will weaken you and you'll be, you'll think, crumbs. That is the flesh and it drains you. The spirit energizes and fills you. Proverbs uh, 3, 3 to 7, I bet you wonder if I'm just going to open the Bible. It's amazing how much you can do with that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. three to seven is interesting uh, let not mercy and truth forsake you in the NIV I think it says love and faithfulness forsake you bind them round your neck write them on the tablet of your heart I was actually intending to speak on faithfulness this morning might get to it in a minute and so find favour and high esteem in the sight of God and man trust in the Lord you all know this one with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct or smooth your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. 
And actually in verse 8 there's a real promise. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones if you go his way. Part of your inheritance. Health. If you don't go his way, it's not part of your inheritance because you're out from undercover. Flesh always has its own plans. The flesh is stubborn and rebellious. It doesn't give up easily. It insists on having its own way. The flesh is full of pride. That's the force behind rebellion. It's found talking and boasting about itself. The flesh is independent. Wants to be self-sufficient. Won't pray about many situations because it thinks it doesn't need to. Flesh is impatient and hasty. Always in a hurry. Anyone who is in a big hurry is going to end up with lack. Um, build slow. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit that can only be developed under trial, or as we've said before, the fruit of the Spirit grows in bad soil. It doesn't grow in good soil, it grows in adverse circumstances. And the flesh is selfish. This stands out more than anything else. It's utterly and completely self-centred. You can't be happy and fulfilled and walk in love if you're selfish because the flesh fights to be first in line. Likes to be in charge. Likes to be the centre. Don't like taking a back seat. So there's the characteristics of the flesh. Two minutes. I wanted to talk about faithful because we were looking at the fruit of faithfulness and God actually comes looking for fruit. And the foundation scripture for this is Matthew 12, verse 33. Do you know what I feel? <laughs> Somebody said to me once, oh, why don't you come to our church and teach? I said, I don't see it, dear. She thought I was joking. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I believe it um, with all my heart. And I don't often say I believe like this. I usually say the word says that I'm entering into a time in my own life where the word is going to come out so clearly but it'll be empty in places. <laughs> I won't be surprised if you all start disappearing. <laughs> but his words shut up in my bones like a fire. Matthew 12:33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And 1 Corinthians 1 9. So they'll know us by our fruit. We preach the gospel by the fruit in our lives, you know, not by the words that we speak. <coughs> I wasn't doing very well yesterday, preaching the gospel by the way I was. Everything got on my pit. Most unusual for me. I don't, I'm not usually like that. Everything's right up my left nostril. Yeah. 1 Corinthians 1 9. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the Amplified says, God is faithful, reliable, 
trustworthy and therefore ever true to his promise and he can be depended on. By him you were called into companionship and participation with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So if we are to be God-like, which is the Holy Spirit's express uh, role in our lives, is to bring us into the image and likeness of Jesus, we must be faithful. We must be reliable. If we've committed to do something, we must do it, even at a cost to ourselves. I think I talked about it on Saturday, about uh, the Gibeonites and how they um, fooled Joshua and he made a treaty with them, but he had to stick by it um, because he'd made a treaty. They came saying they'd come from miles away and they'd come from about three miles up the road. And we have to be trustworthy, and that is earned. It's not dropped into our lives like gifts are. The fruit grows, and it grows by the right choices, and it grows by being trustworthy in little things and faithful in little things. He says, you know, he won't give you a great big thing till you've proved yourself faithful in the little. If you're faithful in the little things, he will give you the big things. And it's the little things where nobody sees us, except God sees, that he's testing our faithfulness. Our actual commitment to do what we declared we wanted to do. He does listen, you know, and he does take it down in triplicate often. Of what we've said, you know, how was it said? He extracts from us in a time of war what we promised him in peacetime. So when it gets all tough, he suddenly says, Oh, by the way, you said you'd always do what I asked you to do. <laughs> They're character issues that we're talking about here and he never expects us to do something he hasn't equipped us to do. And therefore he's actually given us the fruit of faithfulness but he can hang on your tree like, like a fruit that hasn't developed, like a little hard green apple because it's developed by coupling it with self-control and using that self-control to discipline ourselves to stick with things when we don't want to not to give up easily or perhaps not even at all it's to it's to stick with it and not quit because there will come the time when it's hard comes a lot I mean I don't actually often want to go ministering to people I'm tired I'm worn out and I don't want to be doing that I'd rather be doing something nice like my little bit of crochet or reading a book. But I have to press through what the flesh wants to do in order to fulfill the needs of someone else. That's, that's the way it goes. So if you aspire to being a forerunner, your needs will be put to the back. God will meet those. You meet the needs of the people he presents you with. And that's called dying to self. Simple as that. Alive to God, dead to self. Don't major on being dead to self. Major on being alive to God. Because when you're alive to God, life will flow out of you. You're not looking at trying to nail yourself every five minutes. Because you can't do it. He will do that as you make the choices. He will kill the thing off in you as you make the right choices. That's the way it works. So don't be a quitter. Quitters never win. 
God never gives up on us. My goodness, I've watched him in circumstances and situations and he's just absolutely amazing. He just never gives up. Never gives up. listening. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 7 and 8 is of saying that love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. And it is not blind. It sees things as they are and it loves the person where they're at. <coughs> Don't work, walk and work in excuses. You know, if you come into a situation, like I've said, and say, oh, well, I expect they so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. We don't know that. We need to see what the Holy Spirit is saying and be realistic about what he's saying because he isn't blind. He will meet the people where they're at. Much of wrong ministry in the church is there because it goes into the wrong place it goes to answer the response of the soul that it sees at that moment and does diddly squat it just doesn't do anything because it hasn't had its birth in the spirit and therefore it does not bring forth fruit we can all see a need and think oh, got to go and fill it but it's not necessarily the case God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. He has prepared them. The other works will be wood, hay and stubble. We none of us want that. We want to be walking in what he's prepared, in the destiny that he has prepared for us. And before all this little lot started with me yesterday, I was saying to the Lord, and maybe this is what triggered it, I feel that I'm walking in what I was born for. Mm -hmm. 71, it's taken 71 years to get to it. But there is in me something rising up that says I was created for this. Mm -hmm. And so that gives an authority to what is coming out. Because nine times out of ten, like this morning, I don't know what's coming out next. I'll have to need, listen to the thingy to find out what it is I've been talking about. Truly, I've not got an agenda. He gives me things, and then I leave it to him to see where he's going to bring it out. Mm. That comes from absolute submission to the Spirit of God. And that has to be constant. If you listen to me when I pray before I start, you'll hear me saying, I'm submitting. It may not be those words, but it will be, you speak, not me. Nobody wants to come here and hear what I've got to say. Truly they don't. My pastor used to say, I wouldn't cross the road to hear what I've got to say. And I'd go along with that with him because it's exactly the same. So love is not blind. It really does see things exactly as they are. Because if we look at it through rose-tinted spectacles, we'll come into the old thing of having a false expectation of people. We'll say, oh well. I expect they this and that and the next thing. Excuse away what we saw or what was said to us about this particular situation and not actually see the thing from God's perspective. Mm 
it really shuts your mouth up from coming in with your own opinions because the scripture that I started with and I, I wouldn't like to say what the um, interpretation is but he says we have to give account for every idle word and I, I heard one person say that and he was in absolute fear and trembling about it and I thought well I don't know quite what it means but he's probably not talking to us but maybe he is because it goes on either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit brood of vipers how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks you see our actions what comes out of our mouth will show where our heart is every time we can't help it Boom, straight out wasn't coming out very nicely yesterday a bit sharp a good man brings out of the good treasuries a good man out of the good treasuries heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. I suspect that he was talking to the Pharisees here, and they were bad trees, giving out bad fruit, but painting themselves white as, as you like. But out of it all was coming dead men's bones, if you remember. So I don't think that that has got anything to do with us, actually. I think that that is to the Pharisees. As is always when you're looking at the scriptures, you've got to see who he's talking to. Uh, see who he's addressing. Anyway, so we won't go there. Yes, because it goes on to say, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees are also saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign. Come on then, prove it. You see, what was happening here was that Jesus wasn't the first one to come saying he was Messiah. And whenever there came one that was saying he was Messiah, the scribes and the Pharisees would send a little band out behind them to follow them round and question them. Which is exactly what happened to Jesus all the time. They were always questioning him about what he was doing. The difference was he had the signs and the wonders following the preaching of the word, as it said in the Old Testament he would. But they still chose not to believe him. But that was what the actual dynamic that was going on there. Then they go back and report. We said this and he said that. That was the way it worked. And then we're off, off there a bit. Mm -hmm. Just to finish with Philippians 1 6. Here's a very encouraging scripture. He that began a good work in you is well able to complete it and bring it to its finish. He knows exactly how far you will go. And when we come to look at the rules of warfare, there is no disgrace. One of our trustees rang up the other night because he didn't get to the informal trustees meeting. Hello girls, it's Giles. This was the message on the... He said, what did he say? I've married a cow, I've bought me a wife, and I've got fields and lands and things that I need to attend to. Can't come to the meeting, girls. <laughs> Actually, I've got a new puppy and it's pooping and weeing all over the place and I need to be clearing up after it. <laughs> He's absolute hoot. But you can't... He, when he does come to the meetings, the, the input that he makes is tremendous. Uh, it's just amazing. He's so funny. I've married a cow. 
I hope she's not listening. <laughs> Just, it's, it's in the Bible there somewhere, I know it is. It's old Etonian, you see, that's why the voice is like that. So when we come to look at the rules of warfare, you will see uh, that actually when they were sizing up the, um, the army, if you just got married, go home and satisfy your wife. If you've just built a house, go home and live in it. If you're fearful, go home, don't come out on the battlefield. There were all these things that they could had, and after, the, of course, three quarters of the army scampered at that, <sighs> we're out of that, you know, because God doesn't need numbers. He's looking for a heart that's absolutely committed to do what he wants. So it's no disgrace to say, Lord, it's too high for me, I cannot attain to it. Joyce and I are always saying, um, how long will it be before we say, I can't, I can't take the next step? Because each time he faces you up with something that seems... I'm looking for the rules of warfare, I don't think I can find. Um, I will be doing something on that. Um, there is it. Mm. Oh, laws. Oh, yeah, enjoy this. It's, it's actually Deuteronomy 20. And it's the Gideon principle. So I want to, to, to finish on an app by saying if, if none of you feel you want to be a forerunner, it doesn't matter. But if you don't know there is such a thing, you're never going to even make the choice to be one, are you? So I would say that God wanted it laid out before you today so that you could say, I fancy that, or I don't fancy that. Whatever, no disgrace. When you go out to battle against your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So shall it be when you are on the verge of battle that the priests shall approach and speak to the people. So here I come, approaching and speaking to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, hear, O church. You're on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint, do not be afraid, and do not tremble or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, What man is there that has built a new house and hasn't dedicated it? Let him go home and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man has it. What man is there who's planted a vineyard and hasn't yet eaten of it? Let him also go and return to his house, <coughs> lest he die in the battle and another man eat of it. And what man is there who is betrothed to a woman and has not yet married her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the battle and another man marry her. Then the officers shall speak further to the people and say, What man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his. And so it shall be, when the officers have finished speaking to the people, that they shall make captains of the armies to lead the people. Mm. See, God is kind. He knows the stuff we're made of. He never forces anyone. But he does give us an opportunity. That's all it amounts to, really, that he gives you an opportunity to see that there is something probably beyond that which you've ever seen or ever understood. I'm very blessed, and so's Joyce. We've always been fed on the finest of the wheat. So when I heard this teaching, you can guess what happened, I wanted it. So I stood up for it, and what you've heard about this morning is the result of me standing up for it. The battle I had last night is part of it. That will not be part of your lot. 
You won't be called upon to have battles like that unless you say, I'm up for that. Unless there is the heart of a warrior within you that says, let me. Because there's payback. When we're strong enough to get, be released onto the battlefield, then we'll do real damage. As Graham says, it's possible to make the enemy downhearted, fed up, cheesed off, in a state, because the church is so strong. <coughs> Those who know their God, it says in Daniel, be strong, do exploits. I'll have some of that. God bless you. Thank you for listening. Amen.